as that song says, Lord, we know that we can count on you every day we get up because your Lord, your Lord are faithful. Your loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness to each and every one of your saints and your believers. And Lord, we praise you and thank you. And we're here to worship you today, give you the glory, the honor, the praise that's due. For only you could redeem mankind from their sin, and you did it because you didn't just talk about loving us, you demonstrated your love for us, that while we were still sinning against you and we were your enemies, you saved us and redeemed us, those who want to be redeemed, that is, those who adhere to, as you heard in the song, trust in and rely on you, Lord. That's called faith. And Lord, today, we want the world to know you. I don't know who's watching us. I don't know uh, where it's going to go in the future, listen to and who knows where, on the, on the Internet and, you know, in a, a separate country, Lord, but open their hearts as they hear it and make divine appointments for the words of, the, of this church here today and the, and the lyrics of the songs that were said. Lord, today, may your Holy Spirit speak to each and every one of us, and may you receive the glory, the honor, the praise. In the name of our awesome Savior, Jesus, we pray. Father God, in your word it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I believe you did that for a purpose. Because you're the Holy Father, and Jesus is the Holy Son, and the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. You're holy, the triune being. And we thank you and praise you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is you, is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is coming soon, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't you wish the Lord would come roaring back in the clouds right now? Take us out of this place. It would be great. Awesome. For those online, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. We just got a new audience here. So we're, we're uh, telling you who we are, Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. We're in Palm Beach, Florida. If you're local, we'd like to have you come by. We're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. If you're familiar with I-95, if you're if you're in Florida here, you know, you just go to High Paluxo Road, go west a quarter mile, and uh, we're, we're right there on the north side of the road. Uh, High Paluxo is the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of Lantana. And it's very, so if you're anywhere near those places, come on by. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., every, every uh, Saturday, if you're local, we have a men's Bible study here at 9 a.m., so come on by. If since you're online, the new audience out there, you know, you can, you can watch our past services. You can uh, see our list of ministries. You can see our, our address, and you can find out what our beliefs are. We're a full gospel, Bible-believing church. We don't stay away from the tough areas. We try to tackle them. And, um, you know, uh, we don't waddle in the puddles of God. We swear, try to swim for the deep. You know, the great scholar once said, the word of God is so shallow, a baby will not drown. Yet so deep, the greatest scholar can never touch bottom. And that's true. If you read the Bible and you're reading the Bible, you know that that's true. You know, um, unbelievable. So anyway, you can give online if you're there. Um, and we uh, thank you for your gifts and tithes and offerings. So... Um, that's about it. You just listen to Mac Heike. Some of those songs are handwritten by him. So when he gets rich and famous, you'll know who he is. Started right here at Freedom Church. <laughs> Mac's great. Thank you. Um, okay, that's about it. You know, for everybody here, this is our fifth week in Ephesians chapter 2. You know, I said we're trying to swim for the deep, but we're not wallowing the puddles. You don't spend five weeks in one chapter without digging deep, okay? And I showed you, and the message is called Priceless. If you don't have a flyer that, that, I, that I have made up for you, raise your hand and Theron will pass it out to you. There's flyers. If you didn't save it from the last five weeks, you know, um, then uh, Theron has an extra one for you, Okay?
You know, I don't know what um, what a lot of you think, but I'm going to review in five weeks. You probably forgot last week's lesson, let alone five, four weeks ago. You know, so I'm going to review it real quick. We have the, I named this priceless, okay? We have, and in, in, these, in this chapter of five weeks, there's five things that are priceless. Number one, it's on that fold, piece of paper. Number one, you are a priceless creation. You are his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works. Number two, you have a priceless covenant. We don't have the old covenant anymore. You don't have to slaughter a male uh, goat or bull or anything. You have a new covenant. It's a covenant not of death and blood. It's a covenant of grace and peace through the blood of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you what, last week I mentioned that, and there was a group of people out in the audience, and when I said this, the soul is from God, and I said, the devil cannot take your soul, and you cannot give it away. I watched the audience cringe like this. And I know they didn't understand that. Listen, the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, the soul is mine. Listen to this again. Ezekiel 18, chapter Chapter 18, verse 4, God says through Ezekiel, the soul is mine. That means you can't give it away because it's not yours to give. The devil can't take it away because it's not his to take. It's God's. And I know the world says different. He sold his soul to the devil. He can't because it belongs to God. And I can't sell Matt's Bible to you because it's his. He has to sell it. The soul is God's, and you are a priceless creation. Jesus came to rescue all of our souls. The soul is mine. Remember that, Ezekiel 18.4. When God says something, it is true. Whether you like it or not, it's not man's word that we study here at Freedom Church. It's God's word. So don't cringe when I say that. You know, I'll back it up with Scripture. The soul is mine. The soul is God's. You cannot sell it, and the devil cannot take it because it's God's. Okay? So we have a priceless creation. And uh, number two, we have uh, a priceless covenant. A priceless covenant. I got lots of papers here because we were in five weeks in this. We have a priceless covenant. God made covenants with Adam. He made a covenant with Noah, Melchizedek, Abraham, Moses, David, Israel. And he made a covenant with blood for them. And he also made the covenant of blood for us, the blood of the Messiah. And if you trample it under your feet, then you are trampling on the very holy blood of Almighty God. And I, what can I say? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. I mentioned Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon in New England back in the 1740s or so, and his message was the, 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 um, I know I lost my, my thought on that, sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, a lot of the churches today, they just preach peace and love. You know, Jonathan Edwards' piece, you're a sinner and you're going to die. You're like a spider hanging from a web and the flames are burning and sooner or later that web's going to give out and you're going to end up in the fire. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. And there's one way you need to repent through the priceless covenant that God made with men. The covenant that all men must obey. And that covenant is a covenant of life, not death like the Old Testament. Jesus' blood, the Messiah's blood, was shed once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God. It's a covenant firmly based on Jesus Christ and him alone. Nobody else can fill that covenant. Nobody else. I mentioned 365 prophecies in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in one person, Jesus Christ. 365. And I mentioned if uh, one scholar said, I think it was, um, say, 
uh, I forget who it was. He wrote uh, New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Josh, what? Matt? Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell. The book's that thick. You know, it's a big book. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry, uh, well, no. He said that, and his, uh, he did a little testimony. He set out, as a, I think he was a lawyer, he set out to disprove the gospel. He ended up a Christian because you can't disprove it. He found out the evidence was too strong. So he wrote a, a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Then he wrote another book that says New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And he said in his book, I believe it was him, he said if you took 17 of those prophecies and you were asked one man to fulfill just 17 of them, it would be like covering the state of Texas with silver dollars one foot high, putting one mar red mark on one coin, send somebody through Texas to pick out with one pick, pick the coin with red, red on it, and it isn't going to happen. And then that's only 17. Jesus fulfilled 365. And I got saved when I heard that, you know, Jesus was fulfilling prophecies after he was dead. How can that be unless he's alive? See? So we have a, we have a great covenant, and Christ is, is, um, is it's firmly based on Jesus Christ and him alone. And we have a, a priceless cross, a priceless cross. You know, everybody thinks, well, you know, the cross, the devil defeated God, and that's not true. That was where the victory was won. When Jesus drew his last breath, victory was there. He, he, he conquered death, as we sing in several songs, by death, because he was holy and he could rise from the dead because sin could not hold him. Death could not hold him because he was sinless. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ and him alone. We have a priceless cross. That's why you wear it around your neck as gold piece. I see a lot of unbelievers wearing a cross around their neck. If they only knew that was a symbol of love, but it's really a symbol of death. You wear it around your neck because you recognize that it represents love, great love. Great love that was the blood of Messiah shed on the cross for you. Then we studied last week, we have a priceless church. The church is priceless. Paul describes it in chapter 2. The church is the body and fullness of Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.21, the church is a building uh, fitly framed together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord. The church is Christ's bride, as you well know. We are the bride of Christ who believe in Jesus. And he who has the bride is the bridegroom. We are a priceless church. And I went through that last week. We're no longer strangers, says that chapter. We are now um, alive together in Christ. We're not far off anywhere or drawn near to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was ripped open from toll too, which separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And now, since the temple, the curtain was torn, anybody could enter through the curtain into the holy of holies, that's the very throne of God, because Jesus tore the curtain open. So now we can go right before God, and not just one high priest once a year, not no longer. So, we have a priceless church. And this week is we have a priceless citizenship. We have a priceless citizenship. So we'll go through what this says. We have a personal citizenship. But you are fellow citizens, 219 of Ephesians, with the saints and the members of of the household of God.
The earth is no longer your home. Your citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. And I mentioned it in one of the messages last week or the week before. Your visa now reads, or your passport does not read the United States of America anymore. It reads the kingdom of heaven. You have a priceless citizenship. You are now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, even though you live on this earth. You are an ambassador for Lord Jesus Christ. An ambassador, ambassador is a high-ranking diplomatic official in a foreign land representing his homeland. We, as Christians, represent the home, our homeland, and that is heaven. That's why we tell everybody about Jesus. That's why we tell them about that's the only way to heaven. You know, Mohammed never said he was God. Buddha never said he was God. Allah says he's God. We know that's false. But a lot of these guys, these people want to worship, they are not God, and they never said they were God. You're a saint. The world says that a saint is a person who is recognized as having an exceptional degree of holiness or likeness or closeness to God. That's what the world says. Let me read that again. The world says a saint is a person who is recognized as having an expectational degree of holiness. Do you? I'm talking about earthly holiness and likeness and closeness to God. But the Bible says this. So which are you going to believe, the Bible or the world? We're going to believe the Bible, aren't we? Listen, here's what the Bible says. Philippians 2.21 Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. Now, there were a lot of saints back then when Jesus died. Whenever, whenever Peter preached the gospel, you know, uh, preached the sermon after, after he was, um, what can I say, received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, 2,000, what was it, 3,000 people got saved. Then if he goes on and preaches, another 5,000 get saved. Then another 3,000. We have a whole bunch of Christians in there. So, you know, every, every Christian, they didn't make an idol and build a statue for that particular person. The world says they do. Well, there were some exceptional Christians that did exceptional work in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know what they'd say to you if they really knew God? They'd say, we want you to know Jesus, not me. That's why Mary, when Mary said uh, to her last words in the Bible, Mary Jesus' mother, her last words were this. Whatever he says, do it. So people want to worship Mary. No, no, no. She had, her last words were, whatever Jesus says, do it. And that's what he did at Canaan. He says, you know, get me the water pots. And he changed the water into wine. Because Mary knows that you aren't supposed to follow her. She's supposed to follow Jesus. And, you know, the, I think there's a prayer that goes like this. I was raised in one of these churches as Holy Mary, Mother of God. Wait a minute. You know what? Holy Mary, Mother of God. God's down here. Mary's up here. That's uh, wrong. And here's what the song should say or the prayer should say. Holy Mary, the Mother of the Son of God. There's a difference, isn't there? Holy Mary, Mother, the Son of God. She's not the, she's not the Mother of God the Father. She's the Mother of God the Son who had to be impregnated by the seed of God in order for Mary to bear the Holy Messiah. And what over the years and generations that went by, all of a sudden Mary is above Christ, uh, God the Father. Wrong. Wrong. Deadly wrong to your to your. Eternal life, you're deadly wrong. She said, whatever he says, whatever Jesus says, you do it. So, that's what a saint is. Anyone who is in Jesus Christ. That means you are a saint. You've accepted Jesus Christ with your whole heart, not with your head knowledge, but your heart knowledge. You are a saint of God. And your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's, you know, a saint is those who were in Christ Jesus by electing grace as their covenant through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the title saint 
belongs to all Christians, not just an elite few. Do you understand that? You are a saint of God. You know what? There's a young man that came into this place. Now, he was in young, he's in his 50s. He came into this place, and I told him, I said on this, he said, oh, we were just average talking, and I said, you know, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, and at the end of the thing, he says, uh, Pastor Joe, I agree everything you said, but I, I have this to say to you. And I says, what, what is it? He said, you're not a sinner. You're a saint. Yeah, well, I'm a saint saved by grace, and so are you. But I was looking at the negative side. I'm a sinner. He's there, Pastor Joe, let me leave you with this. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. And, I, you know, so he kind of corrected me, and I appreciated that that correction because I was a little bit off. Yes, I'm a sinner, but I'm higher than a sinner now. I am a saint because I put my faith in Jesus Christ 46 years ago. Listen, okay, we have a priceless citizenship. We have a number two point under point number five. We have a pre precious citizenship. Ephesians 2, 8, 2, 7 says this, that he might display in, his com in the coming ages the surpassing riches of the grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Surpassing riches you have. You have a precious citizenship. You have a surpassing riches. Most people, most precious thing about our citizenship is we have friendship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what's really precious about our citizenship. And because, you know, God tells us, you know, that, that our eye hasn't seen, our ears haven't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that God has prepared for us. We have a precious citizenship, and God has a, we can't even imagine what the kingdom of heaven like. We're, we're, it's out of our comprehension. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all the good things that God has prepared for those who love you. I know a man, he's with the Lord now, but years and years ago, 35, 40 years ago, he died and was brought back to life. And he would not pray to be healed. Eight years later, he came down with cancer. He would not pray to get healed. Because he saw heaven and he saw hell when he died. He saw himself leave his body and go to hell. And down in hell, he recognized where he was. And he's in the flames. And he sees a figure walking on the top of the flames over this side. And he's yelling out, Jesus! Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Jesus walks right past him, doesn't look at his way. He's crying out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Goes over to the other side, almost out of sight. He's there, Jesus, save me. And Jesus turned around and looked at him. And boom, he saw himself going back into his body. And then he was taken out of his body. And, in, in, and when he got into his body, he, you know, a voice said, it was only a dream. So God took him to heaven. And he saw heaven. And he would not talk about it. He came back into his body. And he knew that it wasn't just a dream. But he would not pray to be healed when he got cancer. And he was a mighty minister to, to homeless people and, and uh, men, men that needed help, deliverance, and stuff like that. And I witnessed, I was with him a couple times. He would not pray, and we asked him why. He says, I saw heaven, and I want to go back. Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapels, you know, he said, he says, you know, so when I die, somebody's going to lay their hands on me and, and pray over me that I come back from the dead. And he says, and if I do, I'm going to punch you right in the nose. Because heaven is so beautiful, and we are citizenship of heaven, and we have a precious citizenship, don't we? You know, it's great to be an American, 
You know, my dad used to tell me when I was a teenager, America's the greatest country in the world. I'm a teenager. You know what I was saying. America stinks. Then I was shipped to Vietnam. <laughs> and I came back and I said, Dad, you're right. America's the greatest country on the face of the earth. And it is. You tell this to the woke generation today and they don't believe you. They think the world stinks. Well, they got a lot to learn. Our citizen, you know what else is priceless about our citizenship? It will never expire. It will never expire. We're going to be there forever and ever and ever. And you can't get thrown out because you're no longer a sinner. You're like the holy angels. You'll be higher than the holy angels, actually. But you're like them. They can't lose their salvation. They made their choice years ago. And they followed after the king of kings. And then Satan grabbed a, a group of them. They say one-third, because one-third of the stars fell from heaven in Revelation. And, and, and they became the demons. They're angels that come like, a, like, like an angel of light. It's the devil that comes in our life, an angel of light. Over in Africa, you can see a demon. Over in America, they're more sophisticated. And the American church and the soldiers of Christ in the church don't know how to handle it most of the time. We have people in this church that do know how to handle that. We just rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ and tell them to get out of this place because you're no longer wanted here. I speak the name of Jesus. You heard me pray it this morning. spoke the name of Jesus over this place. I spoke the name of Jesus over everyone that's ever attended here and anyone that ever listened online. We speak the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's the most powerful word in the universe, name in the universe. Speak the name of Jesus over your sickness, over your disease, over whatever ails you, over your job. Know what else? We have a permanent citizen. Oh, I've got that already, didn't I? Yeah, how's that song go? It goes like this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing your praise than when we first begun. And believe me, God has a job for you. You're going to sing praises the whole time you're up there. Just like here, he's going to have a job for you to do. It might be tending a garden. It might be, you know, making sure the sea's clean. I don't know what it will be. Before I was a preacher, I was a sign painter. I don't know if we need street signs in heaven anymore. I don't care. All I know is whatever God gives me, I'm going to love it. We have number, number, let's see, number three. We have a peacemaking citizenship. We can make peace now with God who redeems our life. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by our faith in Jesus. Now we have faith. Now we have peace with God. That's why Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. On Palm Sunday, a week before he was going to be crucified, he was saying, I'm God because I'm riding on a donkey, donkey into my city. People are crying out, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus was making peace. A king in peacetimes rides through a city on, his, on a white donkey, not a white stallion with a sword in his hand. He sat on a donkey and saying, I'm bringing peace to Jerusalem. But not only Jerusalem, but the whole world. Ephesians tells us, two, chapter 2, verse 15, our study text. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in, in place of the two, referring to the Jews and the Gentiles coming together, breaking down that center wall of partition. Now the Jews and the Gentiles are one because now they're Christians. A Jew becomes a Christian, a Messianic Jew, and, and a Gentile, an unbeliever, becomes a, also a believer, and they broke down the middle wall. They both become Christians, and the middle wall of separation is broken down. 
There shouldn't be a wall of separation in God's kingdom. Now the devil, and I'm convinced that a lot of it was the devil that brought about denominations, got people to, oh, well, you believe this, and I don't like what you believe, so we'll start another church over here, you know, and then and, and instead of having peace with one another, they make war with one another because one believes the, the breaking of the bread is the actual body of Christ. The other one believes it's a symbol of the actual body of Christ. And people clash on that. Here, we're, we're the, we're, here's, the, here's the bottom line. You've got to go to the bottom line. The bottom line is you believe that Christ came, he died, he was buried according to the scriptures, and he is risen. That is the bottom line. There should be no divisions. Jesus came to break down the division between the Jew and the Gentile. And he broke it down successfully. And now the devil's planted all this junk in our lives. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you're a Methodist, you believe he came, he died, he's buried, which is Romans 5, 15. You believe he came, he died, he was buried, and he has risen according to the scripture. You are my brother or you are my sister. God has made peace. We have made peace with God, whether it's Jew or Gentile, and that wall should be broken down because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You know what he said in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You're a son and a daughter of God. Because you're a peacemaker, you believe in Jesus. You know what else about our citizenship? We have a patriotic citizenship. Patriots fight for their country. Ephesians 6.10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness that can even be in a heavenly place like a church. Matt sang it today. This is... We call it a church, but this is not the church. This is a building. You are the church. You and me make up the church. And not only this little body, but that big body over there that believes in Christ, and that big body over there, and the people over in Africa that believe in Christ, and the people over in China that believe in Christ. We have a patriotic citizenship. We need to fight for our country. Paul tells Timothy in Timothy 2, verse 2 and verse, chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4, endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. For no soldier that wars entangles himself in the, in the affairs of this world that he might please the one who enlisted him as a soldier, and that is Christ. You were enlisted, enlisted in the army of God as a soldier. You know the book I wrote in the back? You can take one if you don't have one. I wrote a book in the back. This is all about that. This is all about spiritual warfare and about face. It's called about face. A wake-up call for the church because a lot of the Christian churches are sleeping in the light today. Keith Green sang about it in the 1985s before he was killed in a plane crash with with two of his children in Texas. The church is asleep. Our job is to win people over. I went with Matt and Brett the other night, and Brian went there too. They had their own, they were planning a big crusade in Brazil where Brett is, was a missionary for seven years and established a church, excuse me, and has contact with a lot of churches in Recife. And I've been there with Matt and other people, and, and that place is a mess. You see kids... 13 years old, sniffing glue, and their minds all screwed up. And you see them, 13 years old, dressed like a, a, a harlot or a guy dressed like a girl, and, you know, they're doing anything for this so they can buy glue f- to sniff for their brain. And it's terrible, and they need to have a revival there. And they had a, a thing on Friday night. And it was nice. It was nice. They have a team uh, well put together. They have a, an Amish kid come out of the Amish into Christianity. They have, I have uh, Australian evangelists. They have Brett's who's evangelist. Matt is a Bible teacher. They have uh, several others. That in the, the, their plan is to go into all the world. This is going to take millions of dollars. 
I'm not preaching for that idea. I'm just telling you, they have an aggressive plan, and it's nice to see. Because when I got saved in 1977, I got saved in 1977, we started winning people to the Lord. We had pig roasts. We started out roasting one pig. By the time the years went by, we finally ended up roasting nine pigs at one time. That's how the thing grew. And we preached the gospel. We have a local pastor that was well-known, preached the gospel, and people would get saved. We did little things like that. We used to go to, I used to go to VA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and preach to people, cast out demons in the name of Jesus, of course, but not like their plans. They're planning, you know, they have a stadium in, 19, in, in 2024, 2024, they're renting a stadium that holds over 100,000 people. And I've been to Brazil. When you knock on the doors, they invite you in for a cup of coffee or tea. In America, you knock on the door, and they slam the door in your face. <laughs> yeah. You know, they want to hear the gospel. These people are hungry. Then they invite you back for lunch. You know, America is post-gospel just like Europe now. You know, I've been to Belgium too. People that needed deliverance from mostly demons. My 16-year-old kid now has a ministry. That was 10 years ago. How long has it been, honey, since I went to Brooks? See, it's been a while. Now he's in his 20s. He started a ministry. He, he, was, he tried to commit, how many, nine years? 10? I can't hear you. Ten, ten years. He, his parents didn't know what to do with him. He tried to commit suicide several times. We laid him down on the couch. We start minister to him. It was a long time, and finally he just got. He just sat up on that couch with all our preaching. And he says, "He's real." That's all he said. He's, he's, and he kept on repeating, "He's real. He's real." And we said, well, "How do you know he's real?" He says, "I saw a crown." A golden, beautiful crown. Jesus Christ is real. And he accepted Jesus Christ. We took, he took, we went over to his house. And we went up into his room because he said he was a magician. So we went up in his room and we had him cast out all the demonic stuff. And then because of that, his mother got saved, his sister got saved, and I heard his dad got saved. You know. And they invited us over for a spaghetti dinner. They were so happy. <laughs> Listen, the world needs Jesus. When I was a kid, we did little things, and that generation that followed me is lost for the most part. I'm pretty much the woke generation. I don't know what generation are, but I'll tell you what, they are messed up. But the next generation after that, Matt's generation, Brett's generation, you know, they're planning this big thing. I'm there like, praise God. I used to wonder where, when, the, if, when people were getting saved because it was slow, slow. But now, I mean, these guys have vision, vision that, that is hard to reach. But it's okay. If you shoot for Mars and hit the moon, is it a good thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have a patriotic citizenship. You've got to be like Joshua. Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. That's a bold statement. I don't care what anybody says. I know Christians that have lost their families over Jesus. Their families won't talk to them anymore because they're Christians. That's the generation that follows me. I think it's up to about 35 from... Well, maybe, maybe a little more than 35, maybe 37 up to 40, 42. That generation, for the most part, that I see is really messed up. They don't like this country. They, don't, they, they, they believe in things that you don't want nobody to believe in, that we've been working against for years. What else? We have a permanent citizenship. I did mention that, didn't I? We have a permanent citizenship. You know... Uh, Jesus said, let me cover that a little bit more. John 11, 25 and 26, he said, I am, which is the name of God, by the way. 
And he had seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He goes on and on about that. But here Jesus said at, at the resurrection when he raised Lazarus from the dead, being dead four days, wasting away, his body should be melted by now, stinks up a storm because, you know, I think as Mary said, he's going to stink by now. Jesus didn't care. He was about 10 days away from the crucifixion at this point. The biggest miracle he did, he did last. So to wake the people up, even the scribes and Pharisees began to believe in Jesus over this. He raised Lazarus from the dead with a simple word, Lazarus, arise. Here's what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. He's talking spiritually. Your flesh is going to die. But you're, you're a spirit man, remember? 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May the, may the Lord perfect you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete until the coming of Christ. Your spirit will never die. Your body will die. Because this flesh, this, Im this mortal must put on immortality. There's only way to do that. That's by death or the rapture, which I would love to see happen right now. I think this church would be empty. I don't know, but I don't really know your hearts. But I know you, and I, you look like Christians to me. <laughs> and then he, Jesus ends that, that statement with, do you believe this? So, people over online, I don't know if you know Jesus. Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. Then he said, do you believe this? That's my question to you. Do you believe this? And Matt sang it on, Max sang it on a song today. He said, believe means adhere to, trust in, and rely on. It's in a song. Beautiful. You have, do you who call yourself a Christian out there, do you adhere to Jesus like a glue? Do you trust in him? And do you rely on him for everything? You can have a million dollars in a bank and still rely on Jesus. You have a permanent citizenship. We have a promised citizenship. We have a promised citizenship. Hebrews 6, 17 says this. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. He guaranteed it with an oath. Let me show you something. It's in here somewhere, and I will find it. Don't worry about that paper. This is a food stamp. Well, I, I pulled it off the internet. It's not a real food stamp. That's it. This is a food stamp. This food stamp is written on a piece of paper. It is worthless. Isn't it? It's really worthless. Unless you redeem it for the promise on the back. Jesus' death certificate comes with a promise. And the only way you get to heaven, the only way you can redeem that certificate is to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. For with your heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth man confesses unto salvation. This is God's food stamp to you. The food stamp. You can only redeem it by the promise on the back because his death is just worthless in your sight unless you come to know him. Then you know the value of what and who he is and what he did for you. It's that simple. You have to be redeemed by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, which talks about being born again. You must be born again. There's no other way out. 
So you need to ask him to redeem your life. You need to ask him on the internet. You need to ask him to redeem your life. You need to trade it in for a new person. You might be a murderer. And I've counseled murderers. And they've been saved. God doesn't care. You know, the Bible says those two thieves on the cross, they were murderers and thieves. I don't know which one, but I would bet my bottom dollar was the guy on the right because the sheep are on the right and the goats are on the left. And he cried out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's saying, I believe. He's done nothing wrong, he told the other thief. Nothing wrong. You need to ask him to redeem your life. You need to trade it in for a new person, and he will make you a new person. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away, and all things become new. In other words, you just changed your 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 continents. You are dead and now you live. And you can actually start over. That's why it's called being born again. And I didn't say that. Jesus said it in John chapter 3 verse 3 through 5. You must be born again, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Here's what Amos said. Amos the prophet. He said in chapter 5 he said this, Seek me and live. Simple, isn't it? Seek God and you will find him. Seek him and you will live. Amos, the famous prophet, let me pull out some, some paperwork. I read it here for you last week. Here's what Amos was up against. He was up against um, Amaziah the king, a worthless king of Israel. Here's what the king told a prophet Amos who said, who said these words, Seek me and live. Here's what Amos heard from the king. He said, Get out of here, you prophet. Go back to the land of Judah. Don't bother us with your prophecies. This is the king's sanctuary and national place of worship. That's what America is saying to, the, to the, most of the conservatives today. He's saying, Get out of here, you prophet. People like me and prophesy. People like you, that, that you are prophets. You proclaim. No longer do you really, a real prophet brings, you know, prophecies to the future. But you're bringing the prophetic word to everybody around you. You are proclaiming the word of God, and that's what a prophet does. You're saying, I'm not going to preach, get out of here. I'm going to preach it so the king can come. So the king can come. I'm going to tell them that, that um, they need to be redeemed by their life. And even Joel the prophet says this. There's multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley. And then Jesus says this when he comes. Come unto me all you weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Rest in his kingdom because of who you are. So people... We're going to end it there. But here, remember, you have a price, you are a priceless creation. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He loves you. You are priceless. You are his workmanship. Ephesians 2:10, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You have a priceless covenant. We no longer have the old covenant. Jesus instituted a new covenant at the Last Supper. Now we have a new covenant. And Jesus said, take and drink my blood for the forgiveness of your sins and eat my flesh for bodily healing. And the disciples, they're like six verses later in John chapter 6, verse 53 and 63, 10 verses later, the disciples are there. What are you talking about? Eat your flesh and drink your blood. There's not enough to go around. And then he said, my words are spirit, in John 6, 63, my words are spirit and my words are truth. That means you're not eating the literal body of Christ. You are bringing into remembrance, like Jesus said, the body and the blood, the, bo the body stripes for your healing, the precious blood for your salvation. 
a symbol of that. So you have a priceless covenant. You're saved by grace through Jesus Christ. You have a priceless cross. Crosses, I always see crosses. They're, they're made out of gold or silver, some precious metal, because it's precious. It's priceless. I saw a guy yesterday, a cross must have been that big, weighed four pounds. You know, he's priced. I hope he's wearing it because he knows who's who died on that cross. Priceless cross. The old rugged cross should be sung more in the churches. We have a priceless church. This is a small church, but we've done some mighty things in the past through God, through the Holy Spirit. And now we have a priceless citizenship. You are now a citizen of heaven. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And that's all for Ephesians chapter 2. And you know what? That was a five-week study, preaching at least 45 minutes every Sunday. Okay? And uh, believe me, if we read chapter 2 again, we would find more priceless things in one chapter. This is beautiful. Pick it up and read it. Let's pray. If any of you out there need Jesus, just Ask him to come in. Seek him, and you will find him. If you don't, if you can't, if you don't know what to do, you can reach me at joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. PB stands for Palm Beach. That goes for everyone. So let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name we come to you. We thank you, Father, for your beautiful word. We thank you for the the worship time we had, and thank you for, for um, you know, raising Max up, Lord, to, to start a ministry of his own somewhere. I know, we know you've got great plans for this young man. And, Lord, we pray for everyone here today. Take us away. Uh, bless us. with Bless us so we can bless you by what you have blessed us with, your holy word. To you be the glory. And, by the way, Father, happy Father's Day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Happy Father's Day. Matt, come on up. You want to pray? We're going to pray over Max. Is that it? And Matt, oh, Matt, too. Matt and Matt.